that's a growler. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Never Any Minute, where we analyze, scrutinize, and, oh, I don't know, I'm still agonizing, the movie The Never Ending Story. I'm Thomas Howith. I'm Tierney Steele. I'm Andrew Dorowski. You doing okay there, Thomas? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'll figure it out. Okay. okay. <laughs> Nothing rhymes with walking through a swamp. <laughs> uh, trudging up to his thighs. Today, <laughs> there we go. Oh, I like it. All right, I'm uh, going to hire you as a <laughs> ghostwriter. <laughs> Honorary dad joke contributor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think if if you had wanted to highlight Bastion's reaction, you could say, like, rubbing snot up to his eyes. Yeah, I use <laughs> eyes a lot, though, and I'm trying to avoid that. Okay. <laughs> it's too uh, easy, you know, eyes. Okay, but, eyes. <laughs> but for real, that is no way to wipe snot out of your nose. Like, he's, like, he's like pushing it back in the way he runs that handkerchief or, or tissue. Uh, today is blowing your nose minute on the never ending minute. <laughs> but did you, uh, did you watch? Like, like go back yes, and you're, scrub you're, through that. You're, he just, like, oh, he runs into right. his nose, like, four times. Like, no, that's... No, no, gross, man. Oh, that is so perfect for my. Yeah, note I feel like that. the okay. snot's just going farther and up, farther up his nose. Yeah, it's like, like no, the you outside gotta, of his nose. You got to like wipe down and away, and then fold it up and wipe down and away. Like blow it out and get it out. Yep. So, in case you couldn't tell, minute thirty-four starts with Bastian blowing his nose <laughs> ineffectually, apparently. <laughs> And it ends with Atreyu seeing the shell mountain and Bastion looking up from the book. Because technically the last second is Bastion looking up, but that yeah. didn't seem to really tell you what happened in this minute. And I thought it was kind of important. I'm, I'm really sad. And on a somewhat <laughs> optimistic note. <laughs> I'm really sad. Uh, this, this is the saddest part of this whole week to me, is that I don't get to hear the thing that Bastion says. Because that's, <laughs> that's probably the other thing I remember from this movie is the horse dying and then... And then just like him looking up and just saying the word Morla. It's like, yeah. like, like, like it really means something to him. It's like, you're just reading a book, kid. Like, right. You don't need yeah. to look up and like say that word so intensely. Well, he's so, all right. Thomas has talked a lot about the parallels between Atreyu and Bastion. And I found one I was very proud of. It's a parallel shot where Bastion's head is bent forward as he's blowing his nose. And Atreus had his bent forward when we cut back to him, still sitting and crying in the swamp. Okay. And then also at the end of the minute, Atreus says, the Shell Mountain. And he's kind of picked up Bastion's habit of saying the name, you know, slowly while looking up. <laughs> of, <laughs> yes, of what's does. happening. So. Yeah, Bastion does the thing where whenever something important comes up, he'll look up from his book and re- repeat what he just read. Yes. Like, uh, yeah, so it's a kid's a trainer's kind of doing that here as well. Yep. So like pointing out the obvious, he's laying it. <laughs> yes, uh. but I just—I mean, I—I I don't know why, but it always stuck with me. Like the image of him, like looking up from his book, Morla. I was like, "Who are you talking to? You don't need to tell yourself that. Just read the book." <laughs> well, if you're a believer in my theory that we're all part of the never-ending story, he is literally talking to us. I mean, I guess because because you know that's the only uh, thing that makes sense. <laughs> he is. Let's see. Uh, because Atreyu and the childlike Empress and all of Fantasia 
are just part of a story and they know they're part of a story, or at least she knows that they're part of a story that's being read by Bastion. And then she, doesn't she say, and he is just part of this movie that's yes, being watched exactly. by yeah. him. Exactly. That's the whole thing is we're all part of this really breaking the third wall, breaking the fourth wall, breaking the eighth wall. It keeps going. Like, <laughs> and now we're breaking the podcasting wall. All our listeners are We know you're there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you're all part of it now Man, too. What if what if they had actually like I mean if somebody remade Never Ending Story, Guillermo del Toro, uh <laughs> I wish that then her next thing would would be uh and that movie is being deconstructed one minute at a time <laughs> for a podcast. Yeah. And then at some point somebody would have to do that podcast or they'd have to have it like planned out. It's like, okay. We're going to release this movie this day. While it's still in theaters, you are going to have access to each of the minutes to make your podcast <laughs> so it can be true. That'd be, That'd be amazing. Awesome. All right. So at second 10, when he's turning the page, mm-hmm. we yeah. do get a brief glimpse at what the pages look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have this awesome artwork. I guess it's where the page number would be. In, I'm guessing that what's, yeah. is what's in between those two like little... Yeah, snakes or yeah, I think they might be snakes because that would make sense with the whole Orin thing. I would That'd agree. Be cool. But yeah, I just think it's neat that it's that ornate, and they of course put that much work into that book. That's just a prop. And then it gets used that motif, and the uh, music video for the Neverending Story. <laughs> All the pages have that on it as well. Yeah. All right. So we talked a little bit yesterday about this but i had had it down for this minute a little survey says so when do you cry reading a book i know mine but if you guys want to go first i can only really think of two times while reading a book i'm trying to think if there's any other times while reading comic books um and yeah i'm not sure for the comic books I'm, i'm pretty sure it's happened I'm just trying to remember the the you know specifics of it, um, and I don't know. But for books, uh, both times it was involved with a character dying, and it was never as uh, I didn't have to like blow my nose <laughs> and squint through the tears to keep reading. It was just sort of a a stoic cry. I like to think. Oh, I've had to do the stop and blow my nose. I think the only times I've cried is not necessarily during a death. But when a character's situation mirrored my own too closely, because I've, I've mentioned before, I didn't have the best childhood growing up. And some of these hero stories are all about, you know, these people going through situations that were a little too close to my own. And sometimes that would trigger um, strong emotional responses in me. I just remembered my for sure, the like realist one, like if I needed to go cry right now, I know what I'd read. Okay. Uh, and it's it's uh, in a manga, a Japanese comic book called One Piece. There's a, a sequence in one of them, which does not have to do with anyone dying in this case, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's, I mean, there's part of the story that involves someone dying, but that's not the part that really, really gets me. Yeah. Um, there's another part where somebody who has been trying to be independent finally has to ask for help. And boy, it gets me. And the artwork... And the the words that's going on, it's yeah. I might I might get a little teary eyed just thinking about it. It's all right. Yeah, it does it to you. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's definitely the one. Yeah, if I had to cry, 
if I like needed to grab a book that I knew would do it. And it's one that I've known since the fifth grade, so it's been in my life for a while. Where the Red Fern Grows. Oh. So you read it too. <laughs> yes. Every I time I, there's two books I think of at the same time. Whenever I hear oh. one, I think of the other. And the other one is My Side of the Mountain. Oh. I didn't read that till way later, so it didn't have like as much of an impact on me. Yeah, but those books are really similar. And speaking of where the red fern grows, like just oh, he gets those poor puppies and from birth and that hap, Mm -hmm. that joy that Mm -hmm. he felt when he got Mm -hmm. those dogs. I Mm -hmm. felt every bit of that joy when the ending came, and I'm like, this is impossible. Yeah, where the red fern grows is go to. Actually, it's funny. I didn't think of this, but when you're saying how it's too close, actually. The book that made me cry the hardest, and it wasn't a sad thing, it actually was happy, is I had um, a Boykin Spaniel growing up. It's a combination of a Retriever and a Cocker Spaniel. And I read, for the first time since that dog had passed away of cancer of old age, Virginia Woolf's Flush, which is told from the perspective of a Spaniel. And when it's talking about it being a puppy and running around and smelling things, I lost it because it was just like, I was talking about its floppy ears and its paws with the tufts and it, it, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think I think my side of the mountain is, is the one for me because I felt like that kid that couldn't didn't feel like he belonged, didn't feel like his family wanted him, and just decided to venture out and do it on his own for a while. I yeah, I connected with that book really well, and it hit some points for me. Yeah. Mm. I think the only death in a book that always makes me cry the way this one, and it is a spoiler, but also when I say what it is, you're going to understand why I'm not worried about the statute of limitations. Um, Beth and Little Women. Yeah. Because mm. you see it coming, and so you think you're ready for it, and then every time. And that's one where I had to, like, go get the box of tissues before moving on to the next chapter full-on tyranny relates to Bastion moment. <sighs> I just wanted to make sure we were all as sad today as we've been all week. <laughs> well, speaking of sad, not even sad necessarily, but... My, my sad book thing is not even that sad. It just makes me cry. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> How about this minute? And, you know, we you hear these movies by minutes talking about how something can really drag on. This is almost a full minute of sad music walking through a desolate swamp and just trudging, trudging. I'm just just picturing the director like yelling at Noah Hathaway. No, I said trudge. (laughs) (laughs) Not walk, not stomp, trudge. Lift those knees. (laughs) I appreciate though that the movie knew we all needed a moment. (laughs) Like we all couldn't quite move on yet. Because we need to get to the next adventure, but we're, we're not there yet. Uh, Andrew, earlier this week, you mentioned you thought he had to keep moving because otherwise the swamp could suck him down. Yes. I read this now as super depressing of he's only moving because of he's wearing the Orin. If he uh. was not on this mission, he would have stayed there. Absolutely. He would have gone down with Artax. There's no doubt in my mind. This is almost we're watching like a zombie fulfilling his mission. Okay. As he trudges through. Now, one thing that makes me, I mean, we'll kind of see it at the end of this movie, but it ties in more to the rest of the book or the sequel is that the Orin, while it's helping him here, 
if he understood the true power of the Orin, none of this had to happen. I mean, I know that means he wouldn't have a movie, but the Orin gives people the power to make any wish that they want. So if he had understood the true power of the Orin, I mean, this would be a completely different story. It's not like they explain that when they give it to him and he just doesn't understand it. Like what he was told is that it would protect and guide him. Right. And I guess technically Bastion, it has to be a a person from the human world that makes those wishes, but still. So on a lighter note, if you freeze it on second 42nd, 47, like I did, because I was typing notes, Noah Hathaway looks like he could be related to James Franco. Really? There's something in like his mouth and the face structure when I did that that made me think. And maybe it's in just because I've been... 47, you said? Yeah, maybe it's I, just because I've been listening to Spider-Man Minute, but... I love Spider-Man I, Minute. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we haven't given a shout out to MoviesByMinutes.com in a while, but... Dueling Tower and stuff. Or is it a different actor? Is that... I right. do not buy it. I'm sorry. Right. I am not seeing the James Franco of it. So you guys brought up Spider-Man Minute. I have to say this. So I put a note on our, our group about recording these recording this stuff this week. And how it was going to be... I had to record the hardest five minutes in movie history. And one of the guys on there said, you can do it. And then Scott Corelli from Spider-Man Minute said, Artax couldn't. Oh, man. oh no! <laughs> I didn't see that! I, I saw it. It was so good. So I, <laughs> so he, I re- he nailed that one. <laughs> I wow. replied to him. I replied to him. I said, wow. Just wow. Hey, oh. did you see that movie where a kid's uncle is gunned down in cold blood? <laughs> oh. oh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just don't see the James Franco in in, uh, you don't, in Noah Hathaway here. I can't. See I have to bring either. it. I have to bring it back to that since it's we're still like on the Spider Man. I think you're just you're crushing on both of them at the same time, and it's it's melding them together in your head. He reminds okay. me of someone. Wait, maybe, maybe I've just got the wrong actor. Maybe I had the wrong frame of forty seven. There is a frame that I can see a little bit of it in the mouth, maybe. But that's okay. about it. She'll have and to be satisfied with that because I don't see it. And I said related <laughs> to. It's not like I said, oh, a dead ringer, you know, in right. my defense. <laughs> so if we're scrubbing through second by second, might as well hit the next big one. 53, guys. Yeah, what an impressive looking mountain. Okay, <laughs> I live in Utah. Real mountains <laughs> are about five minutes away from my home. Yes, that is, is that is no mountain. This is a beaver dam. <laughs> I've seen I've seen people pile up garbage in their backyards bigger than that. Yeah, I've seen bonfires start bigger than this. This is making me feel a lot better about the mountains of Connecticut, which when people would come from Europe, they're like, "Uh, you do That's... know this isn't a mountain, right? This is a hill you can ski on." Sort of. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So this like is... it's just a weird dome in the swamp. Yeah. Like and if, I, if a... I was told to be looking for the Shell Mountain, I would not have thought I found it. But it has a crazy musical cue, so that must be it. <laughs> and considering the fact that everything else has just been this gushy, flat, mushy trees and stuff, this is definitely something new. It I barely guess, looks but... taller than the trees. Yeah, and I don't know what, like, its setup is on the stage, or if, like, maybe they're just doing a uh, perspective trick, so it's actually 
not that big anyway. <laughs> it is not that big. Yeah. Um, I did read a little bit about the, the shell, and they don't have an actual real-sized shell. Even when later on you see him like sliding off of it, it's just mm-hmm. a slide that they like film in a funny way so that it looks like it might be the shell. There is no life-size Morla. <laughs> That's really disappointing. So how big is this? Like, what's the what's the perspective, uh, forced perspective on this thing? I have no idea, but it's it's, it's back not... with those smaller trees, so it's probably. I would say maybe, maybe like it's four or five feet tall. Yeah, maybe like... it might be like fifteen feet away. <laughs> oh man, it's really disappointing. <laughs> I mean, this was a much bigger tent. It could be a little bit further away from him, but yeah, this is. This is disappointing for the buildup by the xylophone or whatever that the, was. The shell mounted. And when I hear the shell mounted, I think seashell. That's, yeah, well, that's yeah. what I was always kind of expecting. Book, they call it tortoise shell mountain. They're super obvious. Oh, well, that's kind of a giveaway. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Also, when it does cut to Bastion looking up from the book about yeah. to say the word, that's not the kid who was crying less than one minute ago. Very true. Yeah. Well, you don't know how many pages he read that were just trudging, trudging, and trudging. trudging. Yes. How intense was this description of the trudging through the swamp after the horse died? (laughs) There were 18 pages of trudging for him to go through. He's fine now. I don't want to tell you the truth. I like your explanation better. (laughs) (laughs) But he just like, he kind of like, and, and it's shot from a different angle. And it looks like he's maybe moved positions, but like he does not look like he was crying that day. <laughs> right. No. Well, and the way he's leaning on his hand makes my wrist hurt in sympathy. Oh yes. yeah. I that, I remember back when oh. I was a kid and if I got like in the wrong position while reading and then I didn't realize that I had done something in, in a bad <gasps> position, and like two hours later you're like, ah, I can't I move sh- it back. I still fall asleep like this sometimes. Oh, no. And I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, my wrist is oh. dead. <laughs> I can't move my head. Oh, no. Yeah. He's he's moving on. In in theory, how long has he been reading this book at this point? A few uh, hours. He, has he eaten lunch yet? several hours. He had a bite. <laughs> okay. Like a, um, that one bite of apple? Is that what he had? No, he had a bite of... Uh, sandwich. Okay, because I remember yeah. there's a moment where he eats an apple, and he eats the whole apple, and I didn't understand that when I was a kid. According to the book, when Atreyu finds out, he, like I said, in the dream, it's the perfect... Uh, in the book, in a dream, a purple buffalo tells him to go find Morla, and then it cuts back to the real world and says the clock in the belfry struck 12, so it's noon when he starts to head for the Swamps of Sadness. It does not give me... A time cue. So he should be like for a while, like most of the way through his school day at this point. Yeah, yeah. I guess in theory, it's like like halfway. First major thing that happens. To be fair. Mm Hmm. How many times has it cut away to to Bastion? Because for most of this week, it didn't cut away to him, and then in this minute, it does it twice. I haven't kept count. Maybe that's something we should have been doing. (laughs) How many many times the cutaway count? Yeah. But it's, estimating, is it, you know, more or less than 10? Less, I would say. He's cut away less than 10 times. Yeah, because okay. at first, they don't cut away to him for a while. Like, they really drop you into Fantasia. Yeah, yeah, you get pretty situated. And then I don't think they cut away to him until Atreyu is introduced. 
Yeah, it's really similar to Princess Bride in that once in a while you'll get the cutout to narrative, but for the most part you stay in that um, fantasy. Okay. But we get these little asides with Bashi. That's the other hard thing of like, sometimes they'll cut back and forth between him and Atreyu. So like when he was having the snack, it cut back and forth to him a few times, but it's all part of the same story bit. You know, it's, it's okay. line by line. Got it. So yeah, it's a little bit, it's uneven. Yeah. I've said it before. I love this movie. I'm not a huge fan of the look up from the book and dramatically repeat <laughs> the thing. <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's, pretty dumb i think it's partially just so that we don't get so lost in the fantasy of fantasia that we remember it's actually about bastion reading this story it's just that subtle reminder every once in a while like hey this is still about a kid reading a book yeah i guess and how lifelike our imagination can be i guess (laughs) i also think uh bear oliver is great in this movie when he's given stuff to do. I just don't think the look up and say one or two words is mm-hmm. the strongest choice. <laughs> I, I, I'll also say uh, it was much earlier this week. I'm not sure if him narrating the book is the strongest choice either. <laughs> I feel it's, like... I would rather listen to Mr. Coriander do it. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I, I mean, no offense to Barrett Oliver. He's just too young to do a real good narration of a of a good book, right? But they're also trying to stay connected to a kid to the yeah. a kid watching the movie, and a kid's going to connect more with the kid's voice than he will an adult. Well, and I feel like if it was Mister Coriander narrating, that would be really confusing, like yeah. from a building the story structure perspective. Do you guys narrate books in your own voice in your head? No, my characters or, tend or- to take on a voice of their own. But I mean the, the like the the non-character yeah. text. How do how do you hear that? I I don't hear it honestly. I visualize more than anything. I was I think I said once in another episode that when I'm reading a book, it becomes almost movie like to me, where I don't see the words anymore. I'm just watching the story. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of all the words just disappear. I just see the pictures (laughs) i probably do it mostly in my voice and i'm thinking that because i'm reading harry potter aloud lately and so the normal narration and harry are just my normal voice and then hermione you just talk really really fast and you sit up a little straighter and then ron you just kind of relax your mouth a little and go with it and so each character like i'm not really doing a voice but just something to distinguish them Mm-hmm. But the narration and Harry himself are just my normal speaking voice. And so I think that even if I was just reading it to myself, that must kind of be how it is anyway. And you would go with probably when when you're just reading it to yourself, it would be the voice as you hear it when you speak, not like recorded and read back right. to you. I think so. I found out really weirdly. I was joking that I feel like the biggest narcissist. I actually like listening to podcasts I'm on (laughs) which is funny because most people hate it and I'm just like no this is really interesting I want to hear how it came out I worked at my college radio station and had to edit interviews that I was conducting so I have long since uh lost the effect of of that discomfort at hearing your own voice oh definitely Um, I, 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 I have not even thought about it for years and years and years at this point. <laughs> yeah. Editing this show has gotten me out of that. 
Although I will say, I, I don't know if I mentioned this on, on, on the air or not, but my first five episodes on this was with a bad microphone and listening to those episodes, I was like, Oh my God, I sound horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have almost a disconnect where by the time it's like in my regular podcast catcher and I'm listening to it, I'll not like that. I forget it's me, but there is that weird, like I'm just listening to another podcast. Yeah. I know what you mean because sometimes you'll, you'll hear something and you're like, Hey, that's a really good point. I would have made that point. And you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, I did. I, I did make I did. that point. <laughs> they, they are in fact talking to me, and and yeah. in fact, I'm about to make the next point. I was just thinking, oh, I hope someone mentions this, <laughs> and you forget almost entirely your experience of having recorded it. Yeah. Now, what's creepy is when you're listening to somebody else's podcast and you do that. You're like, oh, I wonder if they're going to make a point about. Oh, they just did. (laughs) I get annoyed when I think of things off mic and then I'm like, wait, I need to add this. And it's like, you can't, you can't edit forever. At some point you have to let it go out into the world. And I think that's what I struggle with the most, which is why it's best that Thomas edits our episodes. (laughs) (sighs) So do you guys have anything else for the actual minute? You guys not, not a more lot happens on how to blow your nose. I mean, right? he seemed very adamant about that. <laughs> I mean, okay, as as ineffective as I said it was, according to this minute, it cleaned everything right up. Yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't. He has nary a sniffle like, remaining. And maybe he's doing something that we don't know about that's working really well. <laughs> I mean, I I'd, I'd say I try it, but magic. I but I don't want to try it. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for helping us through this week. It's been amazing. And your voice has been one that I know a lot of people will appreciate for what we had to go through. Well, it has, it has been a treat to go through this. I don't know if I want to call it a pleasure because of (laughs) the the content of these minutes, but at the same time, I am a a glutton for tragedy. Uh, I know we couldn't have done it without you funny given that before this week, all I knew about you is that you did the Disney animation minute podcast so this has been a revelation to find your uh, your dark side <laughs> well if you listen to the protagonist podcast i chime in occasionally and if there's a tragedy i will usually mention my <laughs> thoughts on that <laughs> but yeah when i read some some good shakespeare and and like a like a romeo and juliet just like yeah <laughs> oh. All right, so speaking of the Protagonist Podcast, why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff for us, Andrew? I am the producer on the Protagonist Podcast, which is uh, hosted by my brother and a friend. That is, each week they talk about a great character and a great story. They go through comic books, uh, novels, movies, and TV shows. Uh, There's a few other random things that get thrown in, but that's the the week-to-week of it. And then I am the host on the Disney, well, one of the hosts, me and my wife, uh, hosted together the Disney Animation Minute Essentials uh, podcast, which is this minute by minute treatment on Disney animated films. We started with Snow White, and in a few weeks or months, depending on when this comes out, uh, <laughs> we'll be into The Little Mermaid. Awesome. I cannot wait for that. The Little I Mermaid love is the Little Mermaid. very exciting for us to do the research on because there's a lot more recorded about it um, or. Uh, a lot of filled in materials. There was a TV series that has like 33 episodes and, and two additional movies. So we get to fill in that universe much more than we were able to fill in snow white. Do you guys have a Twitter or anything like that for people to get a hold of you um, Twitter and Instagram? We are at Disminute, D I S M I N U T E. Or if you want to pronounce it a certain way for the movies by Minus crowd, Disminute. D 
this minute right here. <laughs> this minute. I like that. We were um, not lucky enough to be able to fill in most of our name for Twitter. Hysterical. We had well, to use, yeah, we had, we had to abbreviate to to yeah. Disney Minute, and we couldn't even do Disney Minute, so we had to do just Dis Minute. It's kind of a shorthand <laughs> that a lot of the the Disney uh, internet sources, Twitters, and, and podcasts <laughs> and stuff will use is. Just a, a DIS for Disney. Yeah, we had to use N E V E N D M I N. No Ben Min. It works. Right. It works. Yeah, take <laughs> it. You own that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you want to get some more information or join the conversation, join the Never Any Minute Listener Society. Like our page. You can, again, find us on Twitter. If you want to find me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at The Wookie Lives. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at One Steel Sister, O N E S T E L E S I S T E R. That also has a link not only to Nev Endman, but to Oz Minute, which is a minute by minute podcast on the 1985 Disney film Return to Oz. Uh, doesn't get quite as much love from Disney as Snow White and The Little Mermaid. <laughs> You'll be shocked to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's <laughs> just. Just a little different. Oh, um, it's, it's part of a proud tradition of Disney films that are largely unspoken of. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But we speak of it one minute at a time in great detail. Um, I just, I loved these movies growing up. I mean, Never Ending Story and Return to Oz are right in that sweet spot for me. Um, but they are both linked in my Twitter profile and I've mentioned before moviesbyminutes.com because that lists everyone. We're part of Growler Media, which has some podcasts. There's also Dueling Genre has podcasts, Pele Media. If you go to moviesbyminutes.com, Star Wars Minute, which started this whole thing off, has kept track of the shows there. So you can find them, subscribe to them, like them. If you love anyone, including us, and want to give us good reviews on iTunes... Feel free to do I, that. I do need to make a small correction that I realized we've been wrong in for a little bit. Technically, Star Wars did not start it off. It was oh, the Big Gutter Lebowski Balls. mini. Yeah. Gutterball started it off. Star Wars popularized well, it. Well, but I feel like Pete and Al, it, I feel like this wouldn't be what it is. I wouldn't be talking into a microphone to you two guys and all our listeners if it weren't for Pete and Alex. This is true. I would say that Star Wars minute inspired the movement uh should we use my favorite phrase for them sure the god pod the god pod yes. <laughs> godfather which doesn't work now that there is a godfather podcast <laughs> but i still star wars minute is still the god pod to me <laughs> all right guys well next week we'll get to find out what could possibly be hiding under this little four foot hill <laughs> but that's, that's another, another story, story. And shall be told another time. See you all next week. Wow, something is really different on a growler. I'm keeping your bones.